welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And here we go. It's the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. hope everybody's doing very, very well. Uh, listen, um, an old friend of mine went bald years ago, but he still carries his comb with him. He just can't part with it. Thank you very much. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Duff, man. Applauding the effort and the consistency and the commitment to delivering a joke every single Friday. Thank you, sir. And we're all looking forward to seeing Duff and the guns on the road later this summer. They're doing stadiums, arenas, full capacity crowds starting on July 31st in Pennsylvania. Now, Fozzie is also hitting the road to full capacity crowds. Save the World Tour begins September 2nd. We've got some festival shows before then as well. You can get tickets at FozzieRock.com. Come out and rock with Fozzie. Uh, July 14th, Iowa City at Wildwood. July 15th, Kadot Rock Fest with Anthrax. And uh, Rob Zombie is on that. July 17th, Jacksonville, Florida at the Taco Festival. August 7th, Sheboygan at Brat Days. And then we start in earnest. September 2nd, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, September 3rd, Juliet, Illinois. September 4th, Belvedere. September 6th, Kansasville, Wisconsin. Uh, September 9th, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. September 10th, the Blue Ridge Rock Fest in Apotomax, Virginia. And they go on and on and on all the way to Orlando on uh, October the 9th, the Earth Day birthday. And also, don't forget to check out all the great shows coming up in the U.K., in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, uh, that begins on November 30th. All the information is at FozzyRock.com. Don't forget to check out the VIP experience. It's the best one you'll ever have. We do a uh, mini concert before the show of songs that you might not hear later on. We have a great time. So go check that out, FozzyRock.com. And check out the Winnipeggers on YouTube and uh, Facebook, on my Facebook page. Racket up the views. New episodes every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. We talk about the all-night drive-in this week. You'll hear our tricks for sneaking in alcohol and people in the cars back in the day. we got a different special guest uh, every week as well. Come see who's making appearances and have a laugh and a drink with me, Dave, and Ribo. The Winnipeggers, Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on my Facebook page and YouTube channel. All right, today it's the return of the classic album, Clash. This time, we're talking about Rat. We've got out of the cellar versus invasion of your privacy and here to take part in the debate and track by track analysis are tom and zeus from the shout it out loud podcast i've been on their show many many times glad to have them uh, reciprocate they also brought along their friend uh, sonny pooney just to prove he's a real person sonny pooney that's a made-up name sonny's here though and he's awesome uh, zeus tom sonny and i break down both albums the artwork the covers the production recording songwriting we've got stories and trivia about the guys and the songs uh our experiences with them experiences with them live we'll talk about what we think uh, why we think rat never made it as big as motley Crue or bon jovi or poison who we talk about on their show this week uh lots of great stuff coming up and a lot of laughs the classic album clash returns and it's rat Starting now, on Talk is Jericho. Uh, we've been working on this for a, a long time here, and it's great to have uh, Tom and Zeus from the Shout Out Loud podcast uh, here on Talk is Jericho for the classic album Clash. And Sonny Pooney, geez Louise, you've been avoiding me on every podcast. I always do podcasts, hoping that you'll be there and you never show up. I'm glad I could finally make it. Thank you for continuing to invite me. And I do so apologize for past indiscretions. It's so funny just to, for some reason, whenever you guys, when I started listening to Shout Out Loud guys, 
um, before I even knew you guys, he was over there. Some our friend Sonny Pooney, Sonny Pooney. I'm like, that's not a real name. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not real. It's a real name. It's a real guy, and he's really here. I mean, <laughs> really th- 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 this is this is a meeting that who could have ever predicted this would have ever happened. Yeah, and, and I've been going off on uh, Sonny Pooney with a piece of shit, but I'm saying that in jest. And then he, he really he really uh, greases the wheels by wearing a quarantine shirt here. Like that? Uh, like see? that? The biggest kiss ass we know right there. <laughs> Unbelievable. He's now gone from my uh, least favorite to my favorite out of all everybody on this uh, on this podcast all right, right now. All right. For, for now. For now. We'll see. Well, I think I think Zeus has pretty much uh, gotten his spot at the bottom all locked in as always. <laughs> <laughs> what the f*** did I do that now I'm at the bottom? <laughs> I got a Nirvana shirt on. Come on. <laughs> no, That's not helping. We are, uh, we're here for in the, another series in the uh, very much uh, uh, anticipated and appreciated classic album clash. And this all spurred when I heard you guys, you guys do uh, album reviews on your podcast as well. And you did uh, Rat Detonator, which at that point in time, I was one of the guys, I think Sonny said the same that had dropped out of rat at that point in time it was very very early on to uh, 1990 or so but going back and kind of listening to your guys' review i realized there's some some pretty cool stuff on that record but were you guys tom and zeus uh, stalwart rat fans from the start all the way through or was there a certain era of rat for you guys yeah i i will say this i picked detonator that was my album. So we each get a pick. We take ro- it's a rotation. Sonny's on the album review crew with us. I took Detonator because I love that album. It's kind of a forgotten album. And I know you're a big fan of Desmond Child. Yes. And he's all over that. So producing, he wrote every song on it. And it's kind of like a Bon Jovi rat, not as sleazy, more popish metal. And there's some great tunes on there. And I love it. And, uh, you know, and we kind of want to, get out of like hey let's review out of the cellar like everybody else has when they like, think of rap like, right like we are today no because we're we're doing just just to tell everybody i didn't even explain my own freaking show uh today it's out of the cellar versus invasion of your privacy which that's pretty much the one-two punch of, of rat not that they didn't have other great tunes and other great records that's what we're talking about detonator so we can jump back into to that time frame of it because i think sonny you said that you uh, you got into Rat kind of in the beginning of their career, and then each record kind of got a little bit further and further out of them. Yeah, I'm an MTV kid, so round and round, lay it down, you're in love. They're all over MTV, Wanted Man. So I'm getting into Rat. I grew up in the Northern California, so I'm on the West Coast. And to me, every album that went by, it was just a little bit less. Mm. I was kind of a little bit less into it. And I think part of it had to do with, Dickinson entered my life and Scorpions entered my life and Judas Priest entered my life. So I was, I guess, putting attention elsewhere. Tom, how about you? Yeah. My relationship with Rat is kind of weird because when Out of the Cellar came out, you know, I was an MTV kid. I was only about 10 years old. I hadn't even quite turned 11, which is funny thinking about what an 11 year old is listening to now. But at yeah, that right. time, when, I, when, I, when Out of the Cellar came out, I was listening to ACDC, Judas Priest, Ozzy, Motley Crue, Van Halen, Rush. I was still on the Kiss Kick. Out of the Cellar came out, and I was like, I was a hits guy for Rat for a lot, a lot, of, a lot of their career, you know, including Detonator. I knew Detonator. I knew the hits. Out of the Cellar, I was really into that album, Invasion of Your Privacy. I started to drift off, but I was a hits guy. After that, a lot of those other albums, Dance Undercover, the hits, 
And then after that, I kind of really fell off the map. My taste changed and some of the bands, some different bands entered my life. I really got hooked on Tesla, things like that. But it's funny because as, as I've gotten older, I, I find myself reverting more back to rat albums, deep cuts than I did when I was younger, where I find myself listening to rat much more frequently than a band like Motley Crue or, you know, or Judas Priest things like that rat i don't know what that says about me as a fan i mean i never saw them in their heyday i've seen them three times in the last five years of course it's not the you know it's not the original rat but they still sound great and they're still playing all the great hits so it's interesting to me because you forget like so i got into to the real metal scene kind of when it was all out because i'm a couple years older i'm not sure how old sunny is but so i was 13 14 when this barrage of metal, that's how I got into Kiss. You guys know the story with, with the Animalized record and very much into Iron Maiden. And then Motley Crue came out and Rat was right in there with them. And I forgot just how f- big Rat was at that time frame from about 84 to 86. Like Rat was just as big as Motley Crue or or Judas Priest. I remember like it was always about it's Warren D. Martini versus Glenn Tipton. You know, the Mick Mars wasn't even in the conversation. Where I grew up in Winnipeg, Rat was massive. And the funny thing was, Rat never came to Winnipeg. They're one of those bands like Ronnie James Dio, who were doing arenas everywhere else, excuse me, but just never came past Winnipeg. So we never really got to see them, which kind of made them almost even more mythical. And for me, these two records are like two bona fide classic albums. In that, um, and and the rule that we have on this show is we 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 admit that both albums are great, and we're not pitting the two against each other in a detrimental way, but we're just we're just kind of having a little conversation about the two records. And both of these, I think, are just at the top of the food chain. And almost like Sonny said, after this, they kind of they went from ten great songs to eight, and then it was six, and then it was well, shame, shame, shame's pretty badass, and then. You know, they kind of just disappeared into the ether when when everything else started. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it obviously when we do the track by track. But I, to me, for me, and I'd be interested to see what everybody else thinks. I think there's a discernible difference between these two albums. I think they're closer to each other than as you move on further down their catalog. But I think there's a couple of songs on Invasion that might not have fit on Out of the Cellar, and I'm anxious to see if I'm the only one that feels that it way when we get into the track by track. But yeah, you're right. Rat Rat was was massive. And I think we talked about this a little bit when we covered the Detonator album that I think the one big thing that Rat missed out on and I think they tried was they didn't have that bonafide massive ballad like a home sweet home to lift them into that stratosphere. They didn't have that. They tried a few times. I know they tried on Detonator. They tried on Invasion and they tried a couple of times. They just never, because every band in that era had that massive ballad, that power ballad, whether it was Skid Row or obviously Kiss did it a bunch of times. Rat just couldn't do that. And you kind of needed to do that to get yourself to that next tier. They, Rat was right here, but they were just a nail below bands like Def Leppard and Bon Jovi and Motley Crue, I think. All right, Zeus, why do you think Rat didn't become as big as Motley Crue or Bon Jovi? I think they were pretty consistent. I like all their albums going all the way through. So I was so still a in- big Rat fan all the way yeah. through. So yeah, I, li- I liked them up to Detonator. And I was really excited when I when I heard the sound of Detonator. So I thought it was a little bit different. I know Bon Jovi was on that album as well. So I got really hooked because I was a big Bon Jovi fan. I liked that type of metal. Um, and the thing I think, was the different uh with rat was 
as Rat was still consistently hitting their albums, still probably getting gold and platinum records, their style of music went out. Robin Crosby is out of the band and eventually dies, and then it's gone. But you got bands like Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, they were hitting their strides, getting maybe platinum albums, not triple or quadruple platinum albums like Motley Crue were, but they were consistent. But their music withstood this band, Nirvana, and the rest of them mm. coming in and kicking their ass, whereas Rat didn't. Right. And they kind of fell off. And I think that's what it is. But now, anytime we get a chance, me and Tom, they're up in Hampton Beach. We're up there in New Hampshire. <laughs> We're yep. going to watch and play. And we love it. And we yep. miss this. And these two albums, perfect example of how great that music was in around 83 to about 91. What do you think, Sonny? Yeah, I think uh, part of it is they almost peaked too early, right? Mm-hmm. It's, and yeah, you, yeah. Have, you have to have something that keeps you going. And as the new hair metal bands are coming, Rat's less and less unique, right? You got another right. Warren Demartini, another Warren Demartini. And some would say some of those guys afterwards maybe were took what Warren was doing and took it to the next level. And then the ballad's a killer because the ballad was keeping you on the charts. And you look at any charts in 86, 87, 88, 89. Even Coverdale hit with ballads yeah. before he hit with rockers, right? So it's just uh, when you're not going to be as unique, and I'm sure the infighting didn't help, mm-hmm. right? I'm interested in knowing, and we'll never know this, but we know Juan has a great voice. Was there a possibility Juan could have done a ballad that hit the charts? Is there too much infighting to let that happen? Like, there's got to be something, just one or two yeah. things change. You know, maybe you know what I... You know what I think it is, not to interrupt you, but this is something that I analyze quite a lot about bands. This is what we do. We're music geeks. We always have been. And some people got into music and drifted away. And, and some of us got even more involved in it and stayed in it like, 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 like all four of us here have. And I really analyzed Rat. I analyzed Anthrax the same way. And I always wondered, why was Anthrax the number four out of the big four? When, in my opinion, they were right behind Metallica for many, many years. And I think one of the main reasons for them is they didn't have a bona fide guitar hero in in Dan Spitz, who wasn't Kirk Hammett or Dave Mustaine or, or Kerry King. I think Rat didn't have a bona fide great frontman slash lead singer. I think Stephen Piercy is very unique with his vocal. I don't think anybody sounds like him except for the guy from White Cross. The Chris <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Dead ringer. Yep. But I also, too, when I finally did see Stephen and Rat probably in the year 2000, it was very many years later, I was very underwhelmed. Like, this guy's got no rap, you know? And I think his his personality, he's a very – he's cool, man. He's too cool for school in the best possible way. But he doesn't have that Vince Neil, Janie Lane. I mean, you throw – even Kevin Dubrow and Dee Snyder, those guys could grab you by the balls and get you involved in the show – whether whether you wanted to or not, and I think that might be one of the reasons why they never were able to get to to that level and stay there longer. If they did, no, it's a good point. You're right because he is, when you said he's too cool for school, he's so he's so laid back and mm-hmm. so in that kind of mode of he's just like he's like the cool guy kind of hanging back, and that carries through right. in these albums, especially these first two albums, which I think is a great point. You needed. In that area, you needed that front man that could that could control the crowd and take over a show and take over an arena or an auditorium. You know, whether it's, you know, we said Vince Neil or Janie Lane or John Bon Jovi or any of those guys. But I think Sonny brought up a good point, too, about peaking too early. I mean, yeah, pretty much. A lo- I mean, yeah, you know, 
people like Detonator and, and some of those other albums, Dance on the Cover, but most Rat fans are going to say one or one yeah. of these is their favorite album. And that's kind of really difficult because a band like Motley Crue, they come out with, you know, Too Fast for Love, amazing. Shout Out the Devil, amazing. They dipped a little for some people, Theater of Pain, and they came back, you know, they dipped a little bit with Girls, 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 and came, then Dr. Feelgood took over the world. So they were up and down. They kept their fans interested, I think. But also, Tom, when you say they dipped down on on Theater, they also had two of their biggest hits in Smoking in the Boys' Room and Home Sweet Home. So the hardcores like us didn't like it, but the Chicks, which is where it was all at back then, love those two tunes and that that's what put them into a legit arena headlining band yep yeah, yeah think about it happened to quiet riot also right that's they right one album and then they basically disappeared off the face of the earth if you could name five other songs that are not on that one album it'd be a miracle well it's the same with twisted sister it's even more so after stay hungry can you even name the next record i mean we can because we're nerds but <laughs> nobody else can you know, no, Zeus. Let me ask you this before we get into the actual albums, because I know you see, you're a more of a of a rat fan. Do you agree with us on this assessment of Stephen Piercy, or do you think that there was other reasons why they didn't get uh, to stay on top longer? Yeah, I, I agree. He's got that kind of voice that reminds me of Ozzy. You like his voice; it works with the band, but yeah. they're not getting emotional. He's not hitting a high note. He's not getting passionate. And you're right about being on stage. Think of all the lead singers back then. The charismatic frontman. I can't stand Brent Michaels. I think he's a terrible singer. But you know he's the man in charge. Yeah. When you see Rat, no offense, you see the goofy bassist guy jumping up and down, <laughs> and he's distracting the shit out of you. And and it just, right. just back. He's just sitting back. You know what it reminds me of? He reminds me of a hockey goalie. You can't be the laid-back guy <laughs> as the hockey goalie. You can't be the laid-back guy. Yeah. As the lead singer, you have to have a crazy personality because you're you're in that yeah. spotlight. That's what works. And, you know, I know he had his shtick about the ladies man being in Playgirl magazine and stuff, but you got to have a little bit more. You got to have more presence, stage presence. Yeah. Or- some personality thing. Well, you mentioned that too when you're talking about Ozzy. If whatever limitations Ozzy has as a singer, go watch him live. Even to this day, you know he pours a bucket of water on you and go f- crazy. And let me see your cigarette lighters, and you don't give a shit what he sounds like. When you go to Rat and the, and the goofy bass players doing this movement, probably by by nece- by necessity because no one else is is moving. And the other thing too that I wanted to point out that we talked about briefly when you said the detonator. Was when they worked with Desmond Child, I think one of the reasons why it didn't work as well as it did with Bon Jovi and Kiss and Aerosmith and you name it, whoever, was Steven's, uh, Steven's voice didn't have that range and that emotional quality like you guys mentioned. So when they did do that ballad on, on it, it, I didn't buy it because it was just him still sounding like Steven Piercy trying to sing a ballad and it didn't, didn't work for me. Oh, that's don't, exactly, get, that's ex- don't that's get me exactly. started. <laughs> but that's but Chris, that, that's exactly the point. And I know that giving yourself away was was a hit. And I know that Zeus loves the song and that's fine. But you kind of you kind of nailed the comments that Sonny and I were kind of agree- in agreement on. It didn't sound believable. It, 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 right. it, it, the, the song wasn't a bad song. I always thought it was just a bad rat song. Because I don't, Rat doesn't come across as a ballad band to me, and and I think that's that's obviously because of Steven's voice and the style of play that he has. But I think real quick, I think it's interesting that we're saying all these things about Rat that kind of didn't, you know, whether it's Steven's voice or his lack of stage presence, et cetera, et cetera. 
look at all that that we're saying and still how huge they were and how oh, huge dude. they are and, and still how huge they are now that that's we're right. breaking down two of their albums. Think of that. And, and that's, 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 that's that shows you how great those songs are. I wanted to bring it back around and we're talking kind of a little bit of the detriments, but let's talk about the majesty of Rat. We'll go into these records because these two albums are two of the best of this era and this band does kick ass and like i said at this time frame they could do no wrong the videos and we'll talk about that and everything else but we're, we're, we're going with out of the cellar uh which was released march 27th 1984 uh produced by bow hill and uh we'll talk about these covers the cover of this one has the uh recently departed tawny katane who was very much involved in rat because she was dating robin crosby so we'll talk about that cover and then the other uh, invasion of your privacy was June thirteenth, nineteen eighty five, which is basically a year and four months later, whatever it was. Also produced by Bo Hill, and this has the lovely Marion Gravatt, uh, another Playboy playmate, playmate who I think was also dating Robin Crosby at the time. So uh, Stephen Piercy might not be the ladies' man. Simply like Robin Crosby was getting all the chicks. Yeah, these two album covers. I mean, obviously out of the cellar because of Toddy Katane, you know. Rest in peace. Unfortunately, that news just broke. Yeah, and, and people talk about you know the invasion album, and and in this this is the era of having the hot chick on your cover, and it's funny because we're all Kiss fans, and, and Chris, that's how we got hooked up. We're all Kiss fans, and Kiss never did that. The closest thing yeah. we got, the closest thing we got to anything like these was Paul Stanley showing us his blue thong on the back of the Crazy Nights album cover. <laughs> <laughs> that's the closest lingerie shot we got on a kiss album and you look at these two album covers and they're just they're just iconic they're fantastic and they're timeless and they're such a snapshot of the era i love the uh the color schemes of the two one is very orange and red uh and the other one's very blue and kind of shaded nighttime i also love back in those days if you had a band called rat then you obviously had to have a name of a record that was related to a rat, so out of the cellar, and then you had to make the album cover that was an exact representation of that album title, out of the cellar. <laughs> no, not a lot of creativity. There's literally a cellar door opening. Like exactly. Just, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the other thing I want to point out before we get into to you guys' uh, favorite cover out of the two is that they pointed it out, I remember hearing it, at the in the top right-hand corner of Invasion of Your Privacy, you actually see... In the shadows, Sonny's looking at it right now, a, a camera. There's a camera up in the ceiling, which is, of course, is invading yep. Marianne's privacy. So, uh, Sonny, which, uh, what's your comments on these album covers, and which one do you think is better? I think Tawny looks good on this cover, and I like the color scheme better out of the cellar. But, dude, give me the voyeur. Marianne camera in the bedroom. <laughs> like, this is the album cover I would have been selling during this album cover. Like, there's invasion right, yeah. wins for me, no doubt. What do you think, Zeus? Both chicks are smoking. The thing about out of the cellar, I'm looking at it. Isn't she going into the cellar? <laughs> and <laughs> this up backwards, you don't know. Yeah, and this invasion one. I mean, I think she's gorgeous, uh, but. That window open, it's a little creepy, especially when you're younger. It makes me think of what's that movie, Salem's Lot? Salem's yeah, Lot, totally. <laughs> <laughs> pop up in the air and invade. Um, and I do like the color, it does look it, and it's kind of like we're all watching this chick change and stuff. And, and it's sexy enough, doesn't have to get too crazy. And it's you know something your parents won't take away from you, so right. it, it works. 
But which one do you like better? You got to make it. Oh, I'll take Invasion. Invasion. All right, Tom. Yeah. Uh, look, we love Tawny Katane, but there's not a lot going on on that album cover. That that Invasion cover has it all. It's got that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the voyeuristic kind of thing there. You know, sitting there, you know, in her bedroom, you know, looking just like a total smoke show, which she is. Uh, you got to go Invasion. With all due respect to Tawny, as great as she is. Yeah, and that's one of those ones that you kind of even forget that Tawny's in the cover because she's so uh, linked with White Snake. But uh, yeah, out of the cellar is the one that 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 more people know. But Invasion is the better cover from a uh, visual standpoint, from a from an art direction standpoint. If you even want to start getting to the pretentiousness of art direction on a rack cover, and the last one for me is I love the socks she's putting on. There's something about those short socks that I always love because if you remember in ZZ Top Leg, yes, yes, legs. when she gets all hot, she's got the little short little socks, and I was like, yeah, oh. yeah. So, Chris. Chris, that is hilarious that you brought that up because I'm telling you right now, that is the cherry on top of that picture right there is the pose. Yeah. And it's not just she's just doing a sexy pose. She's in the middle of pulling those on. And you're yes. uh, like, you're right. It, it's that's that's what that's what the young guys wanted to see back then. And or, didn't disappoint. Or Tom, was she, is she in the middle of taking them off? <laughs> OK, perhaps. Take uh, right. off! <laughs> that's wrong. Oh, don't get us started. I yeah, don't know. Exactly. Her head turned. Oh. I think she's like, hey, is Sonny walking in? <laughs> no, like, if, that's if, what I see here. She'd be jumping out the window if she thought you were walking in. That's why the, that's why the window's open. She's walking out to the abyss. Well, here we go, guys. And this is uh, what people have been waiting for. And this is one of my favorite things. that We do the track-by-track track debate. As we said, as you know, you have to choose a winner, but we discuss kind of in length of what's going on here. We'll get right to it. So it kicks off uh, out of the cellar with Wanted Man, which, of course, they did do a video for, which we can discuss. And that goes toe-to-toe with You're In Love. Uh, two just great rocking. They actually they make it really hard because usually when you get to the track by track, that's where you really find the proof of the pudding. But they're putting all the best songs up against the best songs. So they're really taking us to task. Um, before we actually discuss, you know, which one's your favorite or whatever, let's talk about the videos for a bit. What do you remember about the video, uh, for each one of these? If you've seen them recently, guys. All right, let me start on this one. (laughs) What the, first of all, wanted man, they're like walk into some sort of like Western area. It's a saloon. Yeah. And then, uh, I think like Robin's like daydreaming or something. And next thing you know, there are five cowboys that wouldn't scare any real cowboy <laughs> and they're all dressed up and then they go up against some other like gunslingers and it's just it, it's just so bad the, the acting on it was so bad <laughs> when they walk on they're like hey where are you and then he goes it's a saloon that's what crosby it's a saloon and the bob is like the wild west man <laughs> <laughs> and robin crosby's voice sounds like barry white <laughs> I don't know what the hell that was, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> Would you, any retort to that, guys? Agreements, whatever? Look, it came out in 84. It was of the time, you know, Wanted Man, you know, the Western, the Saloon. They tried to do something because a lot of their other more more popular videos are performance-based, you know, strictly performance-based videos. I, I thought it was creative. I think it was kind of neat that there was like a story and a little theme to it. I mean, of course, it's hokey looking back at it all these years later. But I'm sure at the time it was, oh, this is kind of cool, like this new band, this new album, you know, what are these guys up to? But again, in, you know, with the hindsight that we have, it's like, ah, come on, guys. 
It's supposed to be hokey. Like exactly, not it's not Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be a little weird. It's supposed to be a little spaghetti western. I think it's cool. Yeah, me too. You forget about the beginning part though, where they actually uh, they're on the bus and like like somebody pulls like a worm from behind his ear. You guys remember that? And they like, Stephen Worm. I'm hoping it was some kind of a gummy bear or something. But then they get uh, their. Um, a uh, gold record for five hundred thousand copies sold, and like all the chicks are meeting with the at the meet and greets, and then they end up their bus breaks down, and they end up in the wild west. And why wouldn't you? Yeah, I I I, I do want to bring up one thing. When I I saw this on Wikipedia, they described the video like this: band members end up getting into a gunfight with another gang of cowboys who are also up to no good, <laughs> like. Like the Fresh Prince. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> the Fresh Prince. <laughs> hey, give them credit. They tried to do something. They did. I'm sure they had a great time with it. But um, if you're talking about the tunes, uh, like I said, Wanted Man, it's a great opening riff. It's such a great song. And I would totally take that, except for, in my opinion, it gets eclipsed by one of the top three rat songs of You're In Love with one of the best opening album riffs and a strip of lightning and they got that like even though that's thunder i get it but it's just it's just so cool and that video is more of a live performance interspersed with stupid little cartoons of you know squirrels in love or whatever the fuck it was but um to me i gotta go with you're in love the solo warren d martini and also too they talk about the groove of the blots and the blots is a terrible nickname it's terrible <laughs> He does have a certain style and feel to him. He reminds me a lot of Steven Adler on Appetite. You can't say that he's the best drummer or that he's, you know, the most technical drummer, but there's something about that groove that he brings to Rat that nobody can really replace. And and, uh, I think it's a perfect example of that on You're in Love. Chris, I'm glad you brought that up because I had something written down about about Bobby Blotzer. And when you talk about Rat, you talk about the guitarists for good reason, Warren and Robin, and you, you, you talk about Steven's vocals. Bobby Blotzer is, especially on, for me, out of the cellar, but in, in general, tremendously underrated on some of these songs. And mm-hmm. I, I have some co- specific comments as we get into the songs, but I'm glad you brought that up because he he deserves major credit on both of these records because he, he he dominates on some of these songs, I think. And, and every time we do the, on our album review crew episodes, when we do our bonus episodes, I always focus on the drums because that's always my thing. I, I love the guitarist, mm-hmm. but the drums, I'm always have my ear tuned. And uh, Bobby Blotzer just kind of rips it up on these albums. So which which tune do you choose out of the two? For me, um, when I first looked at it, I'm like, ah, this is going to be difficult because You're in Love is so iconic. But for me, Wanted Man is iconic, quintessential rat. It starts off with just one of the most kick-ass grooves and riffs ever. It, and then it just goes into that sleazy rat, slow vibe it's perfectly written for Stephen Piercy's voice. It's what I want from a rat song. It's not too, too slow and it's not fast. I like fast rat, but you're in love. It's great. But Wanted Man is just iconic. And for me, it gets extra points because it was in the movie Weird Science. So right there, that's the tiebreaker <laughs> for me. But uh, Wanted go. Man by far. What do you think, Sonny? This was the tough one for me because two incredible opening tracks there's no doubt and i changed my mind six times over the last three or four <laughs> days right but this morning i woke up and i'm all 
I'm like, I think I'm going to have to go with your love because it has a better solo. And I think I like the pace a little bit better. But man, I am a sucker for those cowboy themed rock songs like Modern Day Cowboy. I'm a sucker for those. It was really hard for me to choose against Wanted Man, but I'm going with You're in Love. I'll say when we uh, we did the Jericho Cruise last year, we always do um, a, a cover set because we play three times, so we switch it up every night. And then the cover set last year, we did You're in Love. And it was it, we got Steve Brown to come join us for the solo because it, it was just like, this is killer, man. Like, I want to do this again. So uh, what do you think, Zeus? All right. So for me, you're absolutely – I'm going to echo your sentiments. Great songs, both of them. What a way to open up an album. Yes. Riffs kick ass. Now, that's how you open an album. Now, for me, Wanted Man solo is the better solo. It kicks, and it builds and builds, and then he just explodes. But You're in Love is the better song. The video's, the video's better. Warren looks so f- cool. Yeah. When you watch it, the two, it's like a quintessential 80s band. The two guitarists, the, you know, I know Steven's not doing much other than those f- little yoga kicks he tries to do <laughs> <A little spinning. laughs> yeah and one here is literally like he just looks like a buffoon but god bless him he tries um but warren at one point when he does his solo he's like up on a stage he's got one leg down one leg up his guitar's up like this you can see his fingers moving going nuts i'm like when i was young and i remember that video i'm like oh man that would be so cool to be that guy and playing that and it's got so much balls on it. God bless them. I'm going to take uh, You're in Love. Good. I love it. I'm on an island. I'll take it. All right. All right. Well, that's fine. Like I said, both these songs are great. So. And then the next one is another perfect example of two amazing songs that if they weren't up against each other, would be easy picks from either way. But it's uh, it's uh, You're in Trouble versus uh never use love so you're in love on the first of the second record and now you're in trouble so they went to both sides of the coin there zeus why don't you start off and let us know what you think about these two tunes and which one you like better you're in trouble comes off with a little bass in the beginning boom 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 boom. you know i i like it it's a good song both of these songs are pretty good but again surprisingly i like the riff better on never use love and you know when when push comes to shove I'll be pushing you down. I f- stupid things like that stick with me. And I f- love that. And it's just in and and just his sleazy vocals, the way Steven hits that, I f- love it. And it's one of the things that I want to bring up is like, if you notice the theme in the lyrics with Rat, they're kind of like Bon Jovi-ish too back then. There's no sorcery. Yeah. There's no po- politics. <laughs> There's no politics. It's always about like some woman d- did him wrong or he's going to get some sluts tonight. It's that's it. That's what they were doing. And no, no post-apocalyptic themes. Nothing. Just going out to pick up chicks. That's all we got. It's not about peace cells. It's not about any of that shit. Yeah. It's about like he's going to try to score and this girl's dirty, but he's going to get her like that. That's it. And. You know, as far as I this these two songs go, I'm going to take Never Use Love. This is why I love the classic album Clash because I every time You're in Trouble comes on, I'm like this is the best. Like like we talked about earlier, kind of that slow, sleazy. It's a great chorus. It's a great verse. And then in preparation, I put on Invasion and and Never Use Love came on. And that song is 
Dude, that that the, his tone, his Warren's tone. I'm assuming it's Warren, and if, I'm sure both guys. If it was Robin's tone, because I think Robin might have even had a hand in writing "Never Use Love." No, he didn't. That was all. That's all Stephen Piercy. So, anyways, the tone on that is just insanely crisp and clean, and the soul is great. But I just love that chorus with the with the back. Never you never use love. Like, just got the other guy behind it, and dude, like, that's that's one of those ones that could have been a single. Maybe should have been a single if they had a third one. And as great as You're in Trouble is, and it's always one of my go-tos on this record, I'm taking Never Use Love as well. All right, Tom, what do you think? <laughs> All right. So speaking of guitar tones, I'm glad you brought this up because you keep jumping on some of the things I have written down, which is good. So for me, we've talked about this on some of our other uh, bonus episodes that we've done. So for the 80s, my three favorite guitar tones of that era are, is Randy Rhodes on Blizzard of Oz, mm. George Lynch on Back for the Attack, and Warren D. Martini on Out of the Cellar. <laughs> and whenever there is a tiebreaker for a song here, I always find myself leaning a little bit to Out of the Cellar. Now, Never Use Love is a unbelievable song. I love how it opens up. It's got a heavy and aggressive riff, and then it kicks into like a, an awesome groove. And I'm going to have to disagree with you here respectfully, Jericho. For me, the chorus is what sinks this song. Okay. The chorus is what sinks this song. Now, You're in Trouble, Zeus mentioned it. It has an interesting kind of opening, kind of like a tribal beat. There's not much going on. But when the song shifts gears and that riff kicks in, I'm, I'm just, I'm sold. I am so into it. And that chorus. And the way Stephen Piercy sings some of these words he makes you think that you're really in trouble. <laughs> like, like it's like you, he's you're in trouble and you you believe it, and that, that's, that's what I'm going with. Point though, and I, 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 I do have to point out what Zeus said too, and that, that when push comes to shove, I'll be pushing you down. Yeah, I first heard this record in 1985, and I can pinpoint that lyric for 36 years since. You know, but I, I know what you're talking about too. Like, uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> like you're in trouble. He's got that grit and balls to his voice, which we mentioned earlier nobody sounds like that and he really does have that little bit of a of a rough edge to him you know i love it yep hey so real he, quick real quick you're in trouble is it a, like someone's in trouble or are they pregnant i never understood that <laughs> is he saying you're in trouble like you're pregnant like that expression <laughs> what i don't know do? what are you do? <laughs> yeah exactly i don't know because you can read the lyrics and you still like what the f- is he talking about so big who knows <laughs> who knows what do you think sonny so let's talk about guitar tone for a second so i listened to this bo hill interview and he was talking about they didn't have much money on the first album so robin and warren shared a rig and warren absolutely hated that so on tour for out of the cellar he's picking up rigs along the way and now he's got like 20 25 rigs they bring him into the recording sessions puts them all together they have the studio for the day he's going deaf listen all this stuff Bo goes to his guitar tech and says, hey, bring out the old rig, hook that up one, two, and let's see if he likes it. He goes, yeah, yeah, this is the one. This is the one right here. And it was the same rig they used in out of the cell. <laughs> All those rigs they had didn't matter. Yep. Um, I like the pace of Never Use Love more. But uh, Deuce had brought it up. These little stupid things that us music nerds love. That little guitar screech thing that happens at 34 seconds and you're in trouble. Like, I look forward to it. It's, oh, like, nice. the, it's like the bad note that Ace hits during the Rip It Out solo, Lie Plus One. He goes, eh. Like, yep. for some reason, <laughs> I, I, I wait for that to happen, even when I'm driving. So just because of that, and then the hey, hey, 
during the guitar solo. Love that. And then oh, the hey, hey, yeah. the, oh my God, I got to go with you're in trouble. Just nice. Uh, you're such a teaser. You give me life. I live in jungles and live with knives. There's always trouble on your mind. And won't you make me draw the line? Uh, I don't think it's about someone who's pregnant. Somehow he's in some kind of a fight. <laughs> Uh, now we come down to another huge battle of the classic of all classics, round and round, if it was up against any other song, but then lay it down. Once again, it's just that something about that tune that's there's there's something very special to that, obviously, because it was a single as well. So, Tom, you want to start this one off? Oh, yeah, uh, you're right. They keep bat- matching up these, I- these iconic yeah. tunes against each other, not making it easy. Look. I think most people would agree this could be a coin flip. I know everybody has a favorite. Um, I know round and round for a lot of people out there is going to suffer from fatigue. It's the most overplayed rat song. You know, everybody hears it. They play it everywhere. Lay it down. It's got that slow rat sleaze to it, that slow groove. But for me, I know I've been hearing round and round nonstop for, you know, almost 40 years now. It's a perfect rat song. It's the perfect tempo. It's not too fast. It's not too slow. I'm going round and round on this one. I'm not going to get cra- I'm not going to get crazy. I'm going round and round. But that being said, ask me this tomorrow, I could take lay it down, but right now it's round and round. What do you say, Sonny? This one was tough also. I'll tell you, I like the lay it down video because the little Steven, dude, he's <laughs> killing me, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the video, right? <laughs> totally offbeat too. I'm yeah. like, dude, what is going on? Um, <laughs> And then there's something about Milton Berle, like, okay, so it's 1984. I'm 15 years old. Is Milton Berle supposed to mean something to me? Like, I I remember seeing him going, I know that guy. And then I figured out he was Louis the Lilac in the Batman series on a couple of episodes. It's the only reason I even knew who the guy was. So I don't know who they were trying to, like, I know I'm a nerd. I'm sorry. but That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Right? <laughs> uh, both songs are awesome. Uh, I think the guitar solo lay it down to me is even a little bit better. But round and round, do that pre-chorus. I sing it every time oh, yeah. along with them. Heard the song twenty million times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll hear it twenty million more. I had to go with round and round at the end. Yep. You know it's funny, Sonny, because um, and that is great, by the way. I'll get to the Milton Berle, but but I remember if you guys ever saw the movie The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke, which was just an incredible movie. And the reason why it wasn't because of the wrestling, it was because of just the guy, his his dreams had passed him by. And when he hears round and round in the bar with the stripper, whose dreams had also passed her by, that was their connection. Like this song, anybody that grew up in our era, you know this song. This this is the this is a. a a Switzerland song. You can put this on at any party and everyone's going to know it, right? Because because of just how huge it is. And the video, I remember this, kind of the opposite of what you said, Sonny. Like, I knew exactly who Milton Berle was. And, of course, who he, like, and my reaction was like, why the f*** is Milton Berle in this? <laughs> like, what, like and, and he's super overacting and he's dressed as a chick. Like, this, like what, is he, what is he doing here? He doesn't fit in with any of this. It's so odd, especially when you, especially more revisionist history. When you watch it now, you're like, what the hell were you doing? Like what? Like, yeah, we know that, that you're, there's a relationship there, yeah. but why did you think that that was going to help you sell anything? Revi- yeah. So his, his nephew was the original manager of rap Mar- Marshall Burl. Yeah. Um, who was in the Wandered Man video, by the way. Who's the cheesy-looking guy that was holding the cards? <laughs> mm-hmm. so you talking about nerds. But um, to me, like, listen, 
I could go muso here and say that the riff for Lay It Down is better than the riff for Round and Round, and the solo for Lay It Down is better than the solo for Round and Round, to a point, but that harmony solo in Round and Round with Robin and, and, and Warren is great. It's one of the most perfectly written solos ever. So, yes, Lay It Down is 9.992, and Round and Round is, is, is a 10 all across the board. I, I don't think you can have a, much like Heaven's on Fire, in my opinion, it's the perfectly written song uh, for that era, Round and Round. Zeus? Again, it sucks for Lay It Down that it goes up against Round and Round. Uh, I think it, both of those videos are kind of iconic, right? Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the, the girl in that video is the same girl, uh, isn't it, from on the cover? Yes. It's the same playmate. And she's oh, smoking. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and she's smoking. Um, the riff is incredible on Lay It Down. The solo's great. But how do you go wrong with round and round? It it's so iconic. Just think about it this way: when you think about Warren falling through the ceiling and landing on the on yeah. the table, doing his solo, and just I can remember the part when he just points up to Robin, and then Robin does a little, then awesome. he goes back. Like, yeah, we're all like feeling that because you remember seeing that as a kid, and then the, even the guy getting dressed up at the end with the goth makeup, the butler. And now you watch the video and you're like, oh, he was in on it the whole time. Yeah. He was <laughs> winking at them to go by and stuff. It, things like that you pick up. The girl on there is, uh, I don't know, she's uh, she looks a little Annie Lennox. I don't think she was too she hot. Like ripping through like some yeah, kind of like, weird yes. like curtain or a something. cocoon or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... You know, but you know what, Zeus, not to interrupt you, but it's, it's little stuff like that that we remember to this day. It's not the like giant effects or anything like that. It's just the fact he lands on the table, he points up at his other buddy who then just starts to solo. Like, you don't forget shit like that. That's great shit. Man. No, that solo is just so incredible. And then that's the quintessential, like, the way they look, the way they move. And like Stephen Piercy's outfit. Like, I picture that outfit for the rest of his career. Yeah. And he's got those, I don't know if he stole it from Shawn Michaels, the rocker's gear that he's wearing. Yeah. He's not oh, wearing leather, but he's wearing the, those, like, wrestler pants. And the rest of his career, he's always wearing them. He never. I never really see him in leather. He's always got those no. kind of spandex kind of on. And, and that look where his hair is all over his face. And you're like, how the hell is he supposed to see like that? And then the dual guitar tag, going back and forth, the swaying. Juan being a buffoon, you know, it just—it's <laughs> way too iconic. I got to go around and round. They look like pirates. They kind of had a gimmick of like pirate rock, you know. <laughs> yes, I, I, they did. Like they, like you know, like they just like the spandex was ripped with other spandex behind it, and then Warren is like just like this giant. Okay, dude, I love the. Or sorry, Warren, uh, uh, Robin, and I love the fact that. He's banging Tawny Katane. So, yeah, I'll bring my girlfriend into the cover and in the video, which we'll talk about. <laughs> then he dumps her and then brings in Marion Gravatt, another Playboy playmate. Yeah, I'll, I'll put her in the cover or in the video. And then, you know, for the for the Dance, Dance, Dance album, I guess he didn't have a girlfriend at the time because there was no chick on the cover of that one. <laughs> oh, it was just Stephen Piercy smoking a butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, in Your Direction, also written solely by Stephen Piercy, versus Give It All, by Crosby and Piercy. Uh, I'll, I'll start this one. Now we sort of get kind of into the into the, the album tracks of the record. And um, it, it, in, direction, uh, in Your Direction has got that really cool Give It All is pretty cool too, but um, I, I think I've gone pretty much 
gonna have to give it to 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 in your direction just because I just like the having your way with that killer riff behind it and um but give it all's pretty good too but in this moment I'm going with in your direction. What do you think, uh, Tom? Take it. Yeah, this is an easy one for me because I'll just tell you right now, In Your Direction is my favorite rat song. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's my favorite rat Why song. That? Why? Yeah, well, because this song, it it has everything I love about rat in it, okay? It starts off, when it, when it starts off with that riff, okay? It's got the riff and then the other guitar, it has like those, the, the ringing chords in the background. It's like, wing, 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 while, the, while the riff is going. And then, when it shifts gears into the main riff that yeah. you were just playing, that to me, that is my favorite rat riff. That is one of my favorite 80s riffs. It is so aggressive and so gnarly. And the, the guitar tones just just carry it. And then you get into the verses and it kind of shifts gears a little bit and then it kicks back in for the chorus, you know, in your direction. I just think it brings everything together for for me, what I love about rat. And I just every time I hear this song. I just I listen to it start to finish. It's easily in your direction. Give it all is, is okay, but it's got no chance for me against in your direction. All right, Zeus. Yeah, I'm gonna go with give it all. Nice. In the battle of bad lyrics, in your <laughs> oh, in yeah. your direction, abusing you all across the country, said I feel hot coals. What? <laughs> and then you got on the other side. She came behind and then showed me her thighs. You know what I mean. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. No, we didn't know what you we meant. We don't know what you mean. <laughs> tell us more. I, I just, both of them have good riffs. I love, you can tell the guitars on both yeah. of these songs, the dual guitars. Yeah. And and that's the thing I, I like about Rat and their sound. You know, Robin gives you that nice chord. And then Warren always comes in, does that nice like lead work and the you know the fills that he does and there's something about his guitar playing it's very george lynch and the two of them my favorite from that era and randy rhodes good call tom yep but he holds a note and he gives it that melody that feeling and it, it just i can't explain it he just knows how to hit a note on a solo and it just it moves me uh, i like the chorus on give it all in the background the backing vocals back and repeating it back Give it all. I just, to me, that's the better song. Although they're both kind of equal. I think give it all for me is better. I didn't realize uh, until recently just how much, how many riffs Robin Crosby wrote. I just thought it was always, you know, Demartini, but Robin has his hand on most of the songs in both these records, or at least the lion's share of them. Uh, Sonny, what do you think? So Chris, you mentioned it uh, in your direction being a Mickey rat song, like it was an older song. And Mm -hmm. in that interview with Bo Hill, with Bo Hill, he's talking about they had done them live so many times that the way Stephen was singing the melody wouldn't translate on record. So hmm. Bo would have to talk him through how we wanted the melody sang. So oh, it wow. kind of changed from what they were doing live. Well, then on the next record, Stephen didn't show up for a pre-production because he's like, well, Bo's going to change everything I'm going to do anyway. So he stopped <laughs> showing up for pre-production. And I think it shows because In Your Direction is a really good song. And give it all is not. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like give it all to me would be a throwaway from the out of the cellar sessions. Like that's that's kind of what it feels to me. Now that all being said, I'm choosing in your direction. But I've been waiting all week to tell Zeus Mm -hmm. I want to give you all my love tonight. Oh, (laughs) live on (laughs) give it all. And that's the other thing. They start that whole thing of that eighties. 
you know, we're not gonna take it. And shot through the heart. That drum stop. I mean, just drums, guitar stop, and the chorus, and the fist pumping metal. You know, save that for later, Zeus. Save that for later. It's a trifecta of that shit coming up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But coming up right now, uh, She Wants Money, written solely by Juan Cruchet, uh, versus Closer to My Heart, which is another Crosby and Piercy song. And to me, this is the first easy, no hands down, knockout punch. Um, And I'll start it. Uh, I, I think that when we talked about Rat not having the ballad, I think they did have the ballad in Closer Closer to My Heart. Um closer to my heart yeah and i don't know why they didn't release this as a single because after lay it down and 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 you're in love i think it would have fit in perfectly and i just i just think it's a really well written song i think it's got a great chorus it fits the vibe it's not sappy it's not uh, uh wimpy it's a it's a heavy tune it's got a little bit of a of a kicked in thing at the end there a little bit of a of a you know a one section if you will and she wants money is 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 pretty much just a stock kind of tune in my opinion uh it's a good fifth song first side closer but to me closer to my heart is one that slipped through the net shall we say and should have been a big hit for them that might have taken them to that next level that they already hadn't well they already attained that next level might have kept them there for a little while longer yeah i'm uh, gonna have to disagree chris <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go yeah, look, look. I'll be honest with you. Both of these, this is the first matchup where it's kind of slim pickings on both sides here. But as I said really? earlier, yeah, I, I, I don't like the slow ballad attempts. It, it, closer to my heart is not, it's not, it's not bad. But I'm going to give She Wants Money the edge strictly because it's just got another killer, killer riff. It's not a great song. I don't like that super fast rat. But it's got a good groove. It's got an awesome riff. It's got a really dumb chorus, you know, and it kind of reminds me of what's to come when we have to hear She Wants More by Slaughter <laughs> off of Stick It To You, which is another Visa MasterCard. You know, like, give me a like. This like one a, does have a lyric of quick change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, right. Stole my line. So, so, so for me, strictly because it's got a ballsy riff, I'm going to give She Wants Money the nod, but not by not by much. Well, you, you just don't like rap ballads then, Tom. Well, that is true. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. All right, all right, Sonny, what do you think? So, Chris, you said it was a well-written song. And I agree with you. And the reason you think that is because you already heard it. It's the second song on Out of the Cellar, Slower. So this is basically <laughs> You're in Trouble, Slower. It's wow. the same vocal phrase. Closer to your heart? Yeah. <laughs> really? If you listen to the two together, you'll get what I'm talking about. Wow. To these guys and they're like, oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> so I don't like the rap ballads either. I love She Wants Money. Wow. There is so many unique things on there. Like, if you listen real close, there's so many subtle guitar things he's doing after each verse is saying. And then that that little bridge that's after the solo before the last chorus is very unique. That Mm -hmm. doesn't happen in a lot of songs. Without she walks the streets at night alone. Yeah, that's a good part. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, this was a total landslide for me. I love She Wants Money. I'm going to have to go back and, and, and compare the two. You're in trouble and and uh, and one step closer to my heart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Zeus, are you going to back me up on this or am I, uh, am I an island today? You're on an island, but slightly, <laughs> but slightly. I do like Closer to My Heart. And I and I dig 
Uh, I think Steven can pull these off. I think closer to my heart is probably, in, I mean, the bar is pretty low, but this is probably the <laughs> deepest lyrics on, on both of these albums. This is probably the one that makes sense. He's actually, if you listen and read the lyrics and stuff, it sounds like a g- pretty good ballad. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the I like the music on it. His voice is good. I don't know. I just uh, she wants money. It's just so <laughs> perfect for that era. And when he, you're right, when he says "quick change," I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of him going "spare change," like looking looking in the couch, throwing quarters at this woman, and just the whole scenario when he tells her. I, I, no cash. She laughs. You gotta go. Like, come on. And that chorus, she wants money. You oh, yeah. wanna play? You gotta pay. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's just awesome. <laughs> uh, um, just to throw some more dirt on my closer to my heart grave. It's not the way that you hold me. It's not that I really care. It's not to say that to love is to own me. You're tangled up in my lair. Settle down, Stephen. Stop. Come on, man. Tangled up in my lair? Tangled up in my web or caught in my lair? Right, right, right. All right. Um, let's go to the uh, second side here. Lack of communication, Piercy Crochet versus Between the Eyes, Martini and Piercy. I'll take this one. So, look. This is a this is a matchup where I feel bad for between the eyes because <laughs> because it deserves better because I think between the eyes is awesome I think it's a great song I think I love it's got that that classic rat groove that that sleazy slow groove the song could have probably fit on out of the cellar but it's going up against lack of communication and for me it's that's just it's a just a it's a knockout punch um, and I like between the eyes but lack of communication is just iconic and when they play that song live. It just when when Stephen just says back off and it just kicks into gear. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a great song. Lack of communication easily here, but between the eyes deserves deserves better. Now, now let me ask you a question. This is going to tell you what my thought is exactly. I just literally listened to this record today in preparation, and I have when I hit between the eyes, I thought that I actually went to the wrong album on Wikipedia. I completely don't have any idea how this song goes, and I just listened to it today. <laughs> How does so it go? It's memorable. Can it's you memorable. How does it go? Honestly, it's just it's. It, you're gonna make me sing. <laughs> no, I just hum it. How does it go? What's the chorus? It starts off. It's like and he's like, I don't like you. Perfect, perfect segue. I was just gonna tell you, it's a whiny song yes and that's why it, <laughs> i don't like your hot and cold device and then he even says you hardly notice like come on <laughs> you hardly notice yeah exactly you whiny it, guy it's very whiny i like i like zeus's uh, interpretation of stephen piercy with a boston accent <laughs> it's just, he's got this you know he's got that it's a plotting song yeah it's just it's not good. how do you open up side two Great with point. this song that's just yeah. weak that's just not a very good idea lack of communication guys that five second solo when he says back off oh. and it just blisters out oh i knew it's short but we all remember that it's five seconds yeah pure like Craziness. It, it reminds me before you continue. It reminds me of that solo after the first verse in Battery. Battery. 
I always love when when it's a solo stuffed in the middle of the first and second verse. So absolutely agree with you on that one, Zeus. All right. One last thing. And, uh, you know, you've been mentioning that I'm the bigger of the rat fan here. I I am ashamed to say, because I actually looked at the lyrics while I was reviewing all this, all these years, I've been thinking they say lack of communication, lack of. Mm. Not back off. Back off. Yeah. I, yeah. I never knew that. I thought he was just saying half the lyric, like lack of. Yeah. Nope. You know, but I just found that out. That riff is incredible. So it's obviously lack of communication for me. Sonny, what do you think? Yeah, I don't need rat singing about social commentary. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> we said that earlier. <laughs> and uh, I am not the biggest Stephen Piercy vocal fan. He's got a unique voice, no doubt. Lack of communication, to me, is his best vocal. Mm. This is where I like him the best, right? And I like that they kind of meshed him in with the backing vocals and the chorus is a little bit unique. And that whole back off, oh, my God. That's like that's an earworm of all earworms. Um, so, <laughs> Chris, when I set up the playlist on Spotify, I set up the Otteseller song, then the Invasion song. Then the <laughs> yeah, okay. Song. I finished listening to Lack of Communication. I'm like, I don't even care who's next. It doesn't even matter what it oh, is. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you heard. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm scared. <laughs> so I couldn't do, I couldn't give you any part of the song because I hit skip because I was like, nah, I can't listen to that. Um, I got to join the club here. Uh, the great part, too, in Lack of Time passes, you're one. We have a reason. Uh, the, the back off, like you said, one of the most iconic moments of that era. And also, too, I always noticed this. And and maybe I'm the only one, but lack of communication almost seems seems like Rat's response to uh, communication breakdown by Led Zeppelin. It's very similar style. I don't know if they maybe thought of that as they were writing it, but um, yeah, just a great great tune. And um, I, I, yeah, nothing to even complain about. It's it's one of the classics, and you can. It's even one of those ones that uh, at the beginning of the song, you almost hear like a chord getting plugged in. Yes, or I love that. I love those yeah. kinds of effects. Yeah, it's, it's, yep. that's just killer shit, man. What a what what a great way to start side two, and what a terrible way to start side two for for out of the uh, for um, invasion of your privacy for sure. And then we go to, in my opinion, the most underrated song on Out of the Cellar, which is Back for More which goes up against what you give is what you get. It's funny because before you guys came on, I don't know if you if you were able to see it or hear it, but I put on some rat videos just kind of. And back for more, the video came on, which starring Tawny Katane, which I didn't remember, and the cameos by Nikki Six and Tommy Lee, which I did remember. That video was so hard to find back in 85 when all you had was Friday Night Videos or City Vision in Winnipeg. You, like they never played that, and one kid taped it, like in the middle of the night when he found it on the TV somewhere. But he only got the like the first half, so we never actually saw. Like, there's no video for Back from More. There is, I got it. You know, George Schlotsky's got it. Bullshit, hey, Schlotsky, <laughs> and he's got half of it. Like, oh my god, this exists. But back then, you couldn't find it anywhere else if you couldn't see it on TV. You know, yep. you forgot another cameo by Milton Berle. Is he in that one too? Remember at the end, the motorcycle idiot comes, just, he takes off the helmet and he's yeah. got like a missing tooth and yeah. shit. Yep. Yeah, of course he does. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Milton Burrow. Um, and, and you know, once again, since I've been talking so much about it, uh, what you give is what you get is, is a pretty catchy chorus, but it's not up to snuff with back for more. 
which to me, had there not been so many great songs on this album, it would have been a single, although apparently was a video. But um, I don't remember Rat ever getting any airplay besides Round and Round anyways. Maybe Lay It Down. But uh, this one is totally made for radio and just a great, great, great tune. So back for more for me. So for me, just what you give is what you get. It sounds like an Ace song, right? I heard Ace singing it in my head. Good call. It's got the same <laughs> lyric, the same phrasing, right? It's it's okay against you got the ballad to bombastic. You got Tawny in a black bra with a poodle skirt. Oh, yeah. Come yeah. on, right? And then um, the just everything about Back for More is just so perfect. From the video to the solos to the songwriting to the singing, this was a landslide for me. Back for more, all the way. The, the pre-chorus for what you give for what you get is pretty cool too. I like that, but you know, like I'm trying to think of positives about that. I keep holding on, holding on through the night, but uh, not not even close to back for more. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, what you give is is probably the first song that I would really consider like just like filler. Like there's really not a there's okay. not a lot there's, there's not a lot there and. I haven't mentioned this yet, but one of my big problems with the Invasion album, as opposed to the Out of the Cellar album, the choruses on the Invasion songs are, for the most part, they're not they're not there. Almost every song on Out of the Cellar has a catchy chorus or a sing-along chorus. Like, this one is just, eh. But enough about that. Back, going back to back to more. I said earlier that In, In Your Direction is probably is my favorite rat song, but if, if I can say this, I would say that Back for More might be their greatest achievement. And and Sonny, you said it's like the perfect, like... Would you say Sonny, Ballad to Bombastic? The, like, like, ballad, yeah, ballad to Bombastic? The, the, way, the way it opens up with that acoustic, and then you get the... Eh, and then when it kicks into gear, it's like, oh, this is why I'm listening to Rat right now. And what a funky, and what a funky riff too. It's great, and I love it. And it's similar to what they do with Within Your Direction, which is why I love it. During the verses, the song is a little different, and then it kicks back into gear with that riff for the chorus, and it does it again on Back for More. And I love it. Landslide, Back for More. Zeus, it's a lot closer than than you think, at least for me. I mean, look, Back for More is legendary. It is awesome. It is an achievement. You can't take it away, okay? But I feel bad for what you give is what you get. It goes <laughs> up to it. The, the, it is so cheesy bad that it works for me. It is so stupid. And, like, it It takes Paul Stanley's, like, okay, verse, chorus, verse, you know, like how to write a song. I don't give a shit what the verses. Just get me to that chorus. I have to sing that chorus, and and that's yeah. all this song comes out down to. Like they, they could have just went blah 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 because it's so easy yeah. to forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just was dying to say that, and <laughs> it's just I I don't know. It, I I just feel bad for it going up because I like it. It's just one of those. It's a it's got a pretty cool riff. It's one of those. I will tell you, my twelve year old in the car. If I start going right now, she walks by and I say, because it's so, and she'll say, because what you give it, what you give it, it's in her head. It stayed there. And there's another one that's like that. But oh, yeah. this is part of the trifecta of side two on Invasion. This and two more that come up, those choruses, and, and they just stick with you. But yeah, I'm not going to be stupid. Back for more is way better. 
last note on uh, it's so easy to forget uh, what you get what you get um, when this album came out in 85 my friend Carrie Lalonde moved away to Vancouver and we went to visit my aunt and I went and hung out with him one night and I remember he kept saying that it's so easy to forget you got the new rat album man what you give is that new rat album's killer man it's so easy to forget. he kept saying it over and over again so whenever I think of that song I think of Carrie Lalonde I don't know where you are Carrie but if you're watching yeah. <laughs> but that's just it it's that stupid <laughs> chorus it stays with you <laughs> all right now we got the morning after uh versus got me on the line and zeus you're on a roll talking about your three uh so continue continue on all right so i will say for me this is my favorite deep cut from rat and which that's is the, the morning after oh okay. i love this song I love when the song, it's got a galloping sound. If you listen to it and you listen to the oath from Kisses on the Elder, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that first beginning galloping kind of guitar coming in, very similar. And I, I just think the, the lyrics know what, and he keeps repeating, know what I mean. He says it all the time, right? But he repeats it a couple times in this song. And he actually says, lift your skirt, lady, high in the night. Come on. (laughs) Poetry, baby. Yeah. And the one thing I will say got me on the line, to me, that's kind of a filler. That is the least masculine way I've ever heard a man answer the phone. Um, (laughs) Hello? 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 What the is that who is that hello first of all sound effects in a rat song just stop right off the bat with a goddamn phone ringing dude who the answer the phone hello (laughs) it's squeaky exactly (laughs) uh tom you seem to be agreeing with your uh cohort there i'm I'm much closer than zeus feels i actually think got me on the line so to me this begins the trifecta of where invasion kind of shifts gears for me because starting with got me on the line, the the rest of the album is very pop metally where I didn't see that a lot in the earlier album. It, it, it's, and we'll get into that as we talk about some of the other songs, I think got me on the line. I think it's a very cool song. I think it's really got an upbeat pop metal sound to it that the rest of the album doesn't really have. But that being said, the morning after the riff and Bobby's drumming is just insane. He is a beast on that song. And it, between the, the riff again and Bobby's drums, usually I don't like really fast, kind of like aggressive rat songs. But this one I'm going to give the exception to. But that being said, I think I think Got Me on the Line is kind of a cool tune. I, I, I like it a bit more than Zeus, but I'm going with The Morning After here. I'll jump in here and, and be the the devil's advocate. I always love that. And it's kind of reminds me of, of Jeff Tate in the... Uh, Operation Mindcrime. Bling. Hello? Down, 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 bump. And it's this, like you said, like the, the, where the, where the phone is answered and the riff starts. And I really, really dig. The morning after I thought was okay, but to me it seems like song number 10 and it's not. It's song number eight. And I was like, I just, I, just, I like the part that goes, gonna be right, right out of the night. That's cool. But I love, I just love that got me on the line, ready for love night or whatever it is, or ready for the night or whatever. I think that you're right, Tom, and that is poppy, but it's a little bit, it has, it has, I'm not a guitar player, but it would seem to be they're using minor chords than majors, uh, keys on that because it's a little bit darker. Ready for love or whatever it is. So I, I'm going with got, got, got me on the line. Yeah. Sonny. So <laughs> Zeus mentioned it earlier about lyrics. So the morning after, 
right? The lyrics go, I'll be headed out, heading out in time. If it's wrong or right, I'll leave the morning after. I thought he said, I'll be heading out in time if it's all right. Like he was looking yeah. for permission, <laughs> right? I didn't know it was wrong or right. I've been the wrong damn line for, what, 26, 40 years, something like that. I don't even know. Um, and then I don't know if you know, noticed on Got Me on a Line, there's a home sweet home line in there, really? Yeah. A year after it's a huge hit. What it's doing? Uh, and got me on a line. There's a part of the lyric says home sweet home. Oh, mm-hmm. really? I didn't yeah. That. yeah. Yep. I'm like, really? That's kind of cheesy a little bit. <laughs> but don't you remember at the end though when he goes, Nobody hangs up on me. Yeah. <laughs> I would have hung up when I got the hell in. <laughs> I, hung up right um, I actually on Got Me on a Line, I like the verses better. I like the pre chorus better than mm-hmm. the morning after. I don't like the chorus better. That being said, I think I am going to go with Got Me on a Line because it was 50 yeah. 50 with me anyway. And the morning after, to me, is the weakest track on out of the song. Oh, Ooh. see, that's why I put Jericho and Sonny on top and Zeus and Tom <laughs> on the bottom. All right. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. We're getting ready to wind down here as we get to track nine. I'm insane, which is a Crosby only. Uh, versus you should know by now, Crosby, Piercy, Crochet. Uh, you want to start with that, Sonny? Yeah, this one was a landslide for me. I don't like anything about you should know by now. <gasps> not one thing. Not one solitary thing. Not even the hand claps that you might have missed that are at time step 220 if you want to know where the hell it is. I'm insane is awesome. Everything about the pace the melody, the guitar solo, one of Rat's fastest songs. Man, it is written really, really well. I'm going with I'm Insane. What do you think, Zeus? This is probably the closest matchup for me, but this is number two on that trifecta of choruses. You should know. I can stop right now, wake up my 12-year-old and go, hey, you should. And she'll go, no, bye now. And she'll probably fist pump in the air to this song like everybody does. The chorus is so f- catchy that it has to take over for I'm Insane. I like I'm Insane. It's a fast riff. You know what? If I think of this would work perfect for side two on Animalize. I'm oh, insane. wow. I, right? Zeus, I said the exact same thing. It, it reminded me a little bit of, of Rat's version of Under the Gun. Yeah, it's like it sounds like it would fit in there in that yep. Mark St. John kind of move. Um, and it has a very third... Uh, very rare third verse. Yes, which you don't hear on right now, right? They just want to get you to the chorus, right? So this is the one I think that I'm insane. It's a very good song, but Paul Stanley must be ripping out his hair. Like, how come I didn't come up with? You should know. Like this, my blood is thicker than water. How many times do me and you say that to each other, Tom? But love oh, I love this song. It's kind of like a, a favorite deep cut of Shout It Out Loudcast, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think, Tom? Yeah, look, you should know by now, the way the song starts, again, it, like I said about Got Me On The Line, it's very pop metal-y. It, it could almost be, you know, like a Def Leppard or a Bon Jovi song. It's kind of, it's very different, a song that would not have fit on Out Of The Cellar. I think it's just extremely catchy when all the music drops out and you got just the drum and it's like, you should know. I mean, other than white snake, slow and easy, it's probably the best version of just stop everything and just clap along as cheesy as you want to be in the eighties. 
I'm not going to try to convince you that it's a great song. I think it's a fun song with a catchy chorus. And it, it beats out I'm insane for me. So I'm I'm going with uh, You Should yeah, Know By Now. I agree. You Should Know By Now. It has that with the hand claps in the background and all that sort of thing. It is it is the tune for me, um, especially over You're Insane. I, I find my trifecta on, on Out of the Cellar that's not as good as the last three. And I just think that you should know by now. It's just it's it's like you said. It's catchy. It's cool, and uh, it br- is very breezy, and it fits kind of a summer song, which is what it is. So, and then we get to the final scene of the crime versus dangerous but worth the risk. Sunny, <laughs> uh, <laughs> dangerous uh, worth the risk. I think what Warren and Robin are doing in this song is awesome, and there is some catchiness to it. There is no doubt. Scene of the crime. The groove, the pace, the melody, the drum fills. You kind of get that kind of like uh, The Who does it a lot. It has kind of that epic feel in a song every once in a while. And I just love that the chorus is so unique. That little call and answer thing. Um, yeah. I got to go with Scene of the Crime the whole way. Yeah, it's interesting. And um, I was listening to Scene of the Crime yesterday, like I said, kind of prepping for this. It's a long song for Rat. And for this record in the fact that it's almost five minutes long. And so to me, I, I wanted to really delve into it because most rats are 3.30, 3.40, four minutes at tops. I'm not going to ever say that rat is proggy. It's not. But there's a lot of sections to this song. And it really does build as a. I mentioned that the morning after seemed like a song 10, which is more of a throwaway, you know, just, oh, here, put it on the, the end of the song at the end of the record this one has some thought to it as to why it's the last song on the record because it's it's built very well it starts with kind of a little intro like sunny mentioned and then um you know i i just really dig the chorus of that cold-hearted bitch running out on me like that's what, what zeus said earlier or maybe it was tom i don't remember like you're actually like feel that Steven's yelling at this chick. You, you broke the law in the first degree, cold-hearted bitch. And he's not saying like, bitch. He just has a little bit of a snarl to bitch. And I always remember that even as a 14-year-old kid going, yeah, man, she is a bitch. Whoever this chick is, you know. So, you know, I'm going with the uh, scene of the crime. And once again, dangerous is worth the risk. That is, to me, the epitome of a, of a song 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to put it on. Song 10, great. But scene of the pr- crime has a little bit of thought to it and a little bit of, uh, of of more of a cool factor. So I'm going with that one. Got me a weapon, a loaded gun. I'll track you down. <laughs> now, again, these are more lyrics where... Right. I'm a little bit intimidated by Steven right now because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he might really have a friggin' loaded weapon right now. Yeah. Um, look, I, I love this was, I'll be honest with you. This was the, this was the only matchup because most of these matchups were pretty easy for me. This was the only matchup even until we started tonight. Very difficult for me because I like both of these songs for completely different oh, wow. reasons. Okay. I, I think dangerous, but worth the risk. When I hear the beginning of that song, it almost sounds like a like a song that if it was re-recorded, it could have been like a hysteria era Def Leppard type tune. The way it kicks into gear, it's a, it's very it, again. I've said it before with some of these other songs. It's a little bit more glammy and and poppy than what we've heard on on Invasion, and certainly what we've heard on Out of the Cellar. But scene of the crime, the tempo, I love that tempo, kind of like round and round. In the in the guitars, the, it, it's kind of like it, it's a great riff, but it's not an aggressive staccato type riff. It's kind of like a breezy little riff that kind of keeps the song going. 
And like Sonny said, with that, with the call and answer, you know, kind of like doing their best kind of Van Halen impersonation with the, with the, you know, you've been caught. Um, mm-hmm. And of course the lyrics, you know, cold blooded bitch and all that stuff. <laughs> um, scene, scene of the crime for me. Zeus, take it on home, baby. All right. So dangerous, but worth the risk. That's the third, the trifecta of the chorus classics for me. Dangerous, but worth the risk. You should know by now what you give is what you get. Hmm. Your life is not threatened, but your loving is. (laughs) Settle down. You ain't threatening anything. But let's get to scene of the crime. One of my favorite rat songs. The buildup is great. And there's something I can't. It's the lawyer in me. I can't let it go. I came by your house, but you weren't at home. Well, I knocked on your door. I thought you just said she wasn't home. Why is he knocking on her door? And then he, he knocked hears on the her. door first. Well, then change the <laughs> lyrics. It doesn't but, rhyme. Yeah. But he hears her and she's begging for more. You broke the law, you see, and that's a felony. Now, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that cheating on Stephen Piercy is not what you would call a felony. In, in his world, I'm is. sorry, misdemeanor doesn't rhyme. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, but the song kicks ass, the buildup, the cold-blooded bitch going out on me. Again, there's no woman that does him right in any of the rat songs. They're all f- assholes, bitches. They treat him like shit. They're well, not to be trusted. You know why? Because he dared her to rock. Yeah, <laughs> and she dared to roll. <laughs> That's got the tone right there. You cold yes. bitch. But it's a great song. I'm with scene of the crime. Nice. Once again, uh when you when you do the classic album clash, I always love doing the song by song debates because a lot of times you really get a, more of a sense like, oh yeah, it's out of the cellar easy. And then we get into it and you realize that it's it, it's not quite that cut and dry. And there was a couple songs here that I actually changed my mind as we were talking. So, I mean, now we get down to it. Is, 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 as, a, as an album, which one do you like better? And it's it's always hard because, like I said, they're both very close to 10 out of 10s. Jeez. I mean, I can't go against Out of the Cellar, but I, I will say this. I really enjoyed revisiting Invasion because I find that because Out of the Cellar is such a monster that you kind of forget that Invasion is a pretty good, you know, follow-up. It's Godfather 2 and Godfather 1. You know, it's Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars. They're, 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 you know, they're both pretty cool. I think Out of the Cellar might get the edge just because it is the more classic, iconic record. But in a lot of ways, and I'll go on this side, just devil's advocate, Invasion of Your Privacy is my favorite. As of here tonight, right here, right now. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Tom? Yeah, for me, this was, I mean, look, out of 10 songs, I only picked one off of Invasion. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't yeah, even like. The other, the other did you guys uh, count up how many you chose from each either? But Tom, go ahead. Yeah. So I, I only picked one off of uh, Invasion, but that, that doesn't necessarily reflect the album because you're going matchup by matchup. But that being said, look, out of the cellar, preparing for this and listen to these albums. I mean, I listen to these albums regularly anyways, but I, I was surprised that. I knew that Out of the Cellar is the monster that it is, but I got to be honest with you, spending a little extra time with Invasion, I thought it was better than it was. I I had an image of Invasion being just a a notch below Out of the Cellar, and after spending some extra time with it, it, it's to me, it's a couple of more notches below Out of the Cellar than I originally remember. I think, like I said earlier, I think a lot of these songs have really weak choruses, 
which for me, this kind of era of music, I love, I love a good chorus. I think a lot of the songs have a weak chorus out of the cellar. It carries it. I think the production, and I mentioned Warren's tone on out of the cellar carries it for me. More memorable songs invasion. It's a great album, but you're comparing it to a monster to me. So I'm going out of the cellar. All right, Sonny. Yeah. Out of the, I was eight out of 10 on out of the cellar the track by track is totally different like, it is right. so weird to do it this way because you don't you don't normally do it this way um, <laughs> that's why it's the classic album clash boony play along that's right <laughs> so out of the cellar i go too often there i i listen to it often when i listen to invasion when i'm done with invasion i'm like oh that was good it's not out of the cellar yeah right that that's where i end up going back to and to me pound for pound there's better songs on out of the cellar than there is on invasion of your privacy. Although there's a couple of songs that I would take off invasion, put on, put on uh, out of the cellar and out of the cellar would be a desert Island album for me if that was the mm-hmm. case. Right. So yeah. some great songs on both, but yeah, out of the cellar for me. Also. So Tom, you said you were nine and one. Yes. And Sonny, you were eight and two. Yeah. I was five and five. So I had the tie there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Zeus, what do you, what did you have? All right. I had six, uh, for out of the cellar in okay. four. Now, one of the things I also did is, what would I change if I had ten songs to pick, and I'm going on vacation, and I can only pick ten songs from both these albums. Where would I go if they weren't going head to head? I still would have gone six to four, hmm. same way. So, hmm. slightly out of the cellar, but this is right there. Invasion's right there. It is a kick ass. And to be honest with you, I probably more apt to listen to this now. Just out of fatigue factor of out of mm-hmm. the cellar, that I'd be like, oh, let me hear this album I haven't heard in a while. But slightly out of the cellar is better. Great, great one-two punch though for them. Chris, I was just going to say, in, in Rat's most recent tour that that I saw, um, their set list really doesn't change. But e- even they agree that out of the cellar because the, the, their oh, set yeah. list they, they have they play six from out of the cellar and three from Invasion. Well, and that's the thing that I was going to mention before too is that out of the cellar did three million. Uh, sales and invasion did two million. So obviously, so they're both very big hit albums, like you said. And I, I find they they rely more on the other seller. But like I said, like for me, I, I chose "You're in Love," "Never Use Love," "Closer to My Heart," "Got Me in the Line," and what else did I choose? You should know by now. So there's there's my five. And I would love to see them play a couple of those. But once again, I've only seen Rat like once anyways, maybe twice. I think they toured with Poison a few years ago. But um, And they're supposed to be in the Kiss Crews that we're all supposed to be on. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, and that was one of the things that I had on my kind of list. Was like, well, I have my own crews, you know. If you want me on, I get a couple extra things. And one of the things was I wanted to do a couple of Talk is Jericho's. And I wanted to do one with, with uh, Steven and Juan. Nice. Do like a rat podcast. So yes. So so once again, I think Rat's one of those bands for all of us. Much respect. Maybe we didn't follow their whole careers like we did with certain bands that we love, but I can never deny the fact that for a certain point in time, Rat was pretty huge and they're pretty rad. So um, it was it was fun to discuss these two records uh, about about them. Absolutely. And look. When you get when you get four people like us that are like music nerds, rat nerds, and breaking down, what's better than sitting here and breaking down like you, the classic albums? I mean, th- this is mm-hmm. this is what we love to do, and 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 I, I you know, it was a great time. I, I'm thrilled to be part of finally be part of a classic album clash with a band like Rat. It's just a, it's a blast, and I, hey. I mean, I, I could keep going, but it's it's great stuff. 
one thing I want you to make sure you tell Stephen Piercy about Sonny Pooney and what he said about giving yourself away on, when you I'll see tell him, him myself. <laughs> He's, I don't got no problem with it. Yeah, Stephen be Peter, let me tell you what I said. Sonny, Sonny, be careful. Be careful because... He's got himself a weapon, a loaded, <laughs> yeah, gun. a loaded gun. All right, so watch it. You know, you know what, Sonny? You know what's going to happen if you tell him that? He's saying, "Gold-hearted bitch, running out on me." He's going to think about you, or he'll just be like, "You're in trouble." <laughs> Guys, what a great time it was, and we'll have to think of another, um, another uh, band, another couple records to do this with. It was a lot of fun, and uh, finally, great to meet you face to face, Sonny Pooney, you piece of shit. <laughs> I love you, <laughs> TJ. I love you. <laughs> Good night, guys. Thank you so much. 